Got it. Hello, everybody. Thank you for setting aside some time to investigate a broad, multiple dimensions of, of human relationship. And that we're we've been we've been struggling and like like skiboarding down the side of the slopes of mountainous ranges of clarity and possibility in terms of human relating and love happening. And uh, I'd like to take a few minutes to hear from a few people about things. So I'd like to start with the four people sitting in the Sophia Magdalena Hoffman window there. Could will you guys explain yourselves? Five, excuse me, five. Can you just justify your existence for the people here and the teams? Is anybody, is anybody speaking there yet? We are finding ways of, yeah, we're finding ways of living together in this beautiful space of that's called Florianopolis. And yeah, just today, I think everybody was in the same room, um, clicking away on the keyboards and getting, starting the writing projects, starting somehow in the writing projects. And even as I came downstairs, the focus was so big that even opening uh, a drawer just was, was like the biggest sound in the room because everybody was so concentrated in the, in the computer. So focus is happening, relating is happening, yeah. Thank you. Usually, you know, when there's a group like that, I, I invite people to disagree or present contrary stories. So would anybody like to do that? And Chloe, you were laughing. <laughs> You're the man here. You have to like contradict all this relating. <laughs> There's no relating. <laughs> no, nothing. Thank you. All right. I, I can say I can say that I was I was having this fear of not being focused enough and 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 like trying to land in this in this place and 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 let the let the things that I have been waiting for me to write them down to come out like to make space for them to come out and so that was that was not so easy for me today you know there's this question of this fear of not being focused focused enough for whom for who for who is that fear you know, who are you being focused enough for is the question this yeah it's this self judging part of me <laughs> man the human human beings are such a weird design you know that we have this this self abusing part that goes you know that it's going to judge us and criticize about the most bizarre i mean really I think we could put you on a tropical desert, you know, desert, a tropical island with all the fruits and everything you need to eat, and you'd still be criticizing yourself about something, you know, even if you were alone. 
it's like human beings have this incredible need to abuse ourselves, I think, or at least judge ourselves, something like that. Well, okay, thank you. Thank you for checking in over there at the writing house. Um, there's a couple people who are new people here and some people who have hot messages to deliver. So please speak up, now's the time. Chloe, Hannah, and Clara. Hello. Hello. Hello, we can hear you. Um, so we are having an intense day together again to, to clarify the contact among us and to see where it's going and doing radical relating, like trying to, to, to empower our tree cells, so to say. I have a question. I've been in a number of community situations and if the purpose of the community is community, people in my observation tend to just go crazy. <laughs> and so uh, what's the, you know, if you have a purpose other than community, there's some hope. You know, if your purpose is creating something or building something or serving something greater than yourself or, uh, transforming something like what is your purpose besides community because if your purpose is community it has already been accomplished there's nothing more to get than what you've got already what do you have another purpose besides that i guess at the moment we're uh, looking for what we can also bring to the out out of us into the world um, yeah, but what's your what is your product? What is your service? What can you be clear about that? It's about um, trying out a new uh, culture of uh, talking to each other, and um... okay, talking to each other is community. Ah, okay. We're back at square one. Anyway, I just propose that as an invitation. Uh, as an experiment, because so many of us have this, some kind of a vision or some kind of a quote unquote need or desire or something, we're attracted to community. And then when we get there, it's like, it's like, okay, here we are, here's the community. Yeah, but I'm pissed off, I'm sad, I'm hungry, uh, nobody did the dishes, who's cooking lunch, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's a hell world because this is what community is. You take a bunch of, you know, naked monkeys, lock them together in a room and you will get a hell world. And so I just am interested to know what your, what the game world is really about. You know, what are you creating? What's your, what's your, uh, if it's community, you're going to go kind of round and around in a circle, probably really fast and blow up something like that. One of those fireworks goes <laughs> something like that. So, so let us know how your experiment goes, okay? Find something besides community that you're together for. <clears throat> Can I say something about this? Who? I just did. What? Go. Um, no ums allowed in this space. It's, for, it, for me, it's like community is the byproduct of any game world that you would build. It is the byproduct. So, so it can't be the product. 
it can't be both. So you have to figure out what your product is and then instantly you'll have community because you're like Clinton said, like already you have community. And, and, I, and the other thing that might give you a hint about, about what your product is, is that community is totally self-centered actually. It's like, what, how, how can I feel good or be happy or be trust others or feel seen or be trusted? I don't know what. And in next culture, it, you know, being jacked into or like being stabilized in adulthood and being jacked into your archetypal lineage is about what are you, what are you offering for others? And, and then it makes your space just so much bigger because then what you're learning, what you're discovering, what you're exploring, what you're researching, it's not for you. It's for the world. You, you're doing that research and that exploration for the world and not for you. And then, God, you got so much more space. Like, like the whole space becomes 8 billion people and a whole, you know, in Gaia instead of, uh, you know, you three guys in, in Germany or how many people, you know, would, would come together. And, and I, I mean, that's something that I notice in, for example, the possibilitator training, which is a game world, which is the next culture game world that the byproduct would be community. And, but the, the product has to be something that you offer others. Like that's what we're, that's what we're training in the, in the possibilitator. And, and that, that's what makes the space so big for so many people to, to come. And it's not about like how many people, but just. Um, well, I have a question about this. What? Well, we've been trained that we went to school and there's all this stuff to learn and you never learn it perfectly because you get graded and judged and you don't get perfect grades. And then you have to go to work as a, basically a slave and somebody else telling you what to do. And the question is, whatever gives a person the idea that they have any value? that could possibly be valued by somebody else, that they, like a product that somebody else could value. How, how, did, how could that possibly happen? You mean, how can the shift happen? No, how can actually a person provide value? How can a person regard themselves as something that has value? A lot of emotional healing process. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say more about that, please? I, I mean, I think we are, it's, it's, we are already providing value. I mean, it's not that we have to come up with something, like it's not that we have to change so that we provide value. I think we are already providing huge amount of value. And first of all, it goes unnoticed for the people around us because we all in such, well, like I said, we all, that's really a big word. But most people around us are such in survival that like the, for me, the exchange of value is blocked. Like the exchange of resources is blocked because everybody's so crystallizing. I don't want more value. I don't want anything from other people. Oh, I can't give from to other people, whatever. There's this crystallization into this like hard survival thing. But as I think for me, it's like, as I moved into spaces like here of, of what next culture transformation research, 
then I discovered how much value I had from like my not knowing had value, like my uh, like silliness, like my stupidity, like my uh, like me not getting it brought so much value. My, my, my presence had value. And I, I remember like having to go through a lot of um, healing process in, in different ways, but this whole domain of appreciation is so huge. I mean, I think we haven't talked about this in the study group to appreciate others quality of being. And that's, that's one of our value. Like that's one, our presence and quality of being is, is a domain of our, our value or something. And, and I, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to uh, have a sense of our own value and that it actually needs to come from our team around us to be like, see this, see when you said this, say when you move like that, and when you didn't say anything, all of that created value for me in this way. And then with really precise examples and, and details. And, and it can be just one line, you know, if like we guys are, we're hanging out together, but just saying one line saying, but when you did this, I, I, pre I appreciate you. I appreciate your, it's not really when you did it. It's like, I appreciate you for being that here in this space and, and having that practice um, as part of next culture. But I agree that it is so foreign for us. Jeff, you were going to say something, and then I, I wanted to say something also. Go ahead. Yeah, the question that came up for me is like, is, is any cell in your body not valuable? Is any cell not? Because that's, that's, that's what I see that we all are. It's like just cells in this big part of this big Gaia thing. And um, yeah, just the, it's the, it's like this, um, the value system is just totally off because like just being is, is some of the people that are most valuable that in my perception are the ones who, who, who just be, you know, the, the really sort of enlightened or people that just sit there and just in their presence, you just melt, you know, and it's like so beautiful. And it's like, that's where value is, is kind of heading for me. Okay. I mean, that's why I wanted, I wanted to talk with Tessa and Habet because they're being with uh, beings who in their presence, you just melt because they're babies. So Tessa, how do you do it? How, can you just clarify, how do I do? Well, yeah, the question is, how can you, like, how can you, uh, regard yourself as something that has value and yet you're hanging out with a baby that cannot you know you can't uh, do anything for you except be and so and yet and yet you spend a lot of time and energy and attention loving and taking care of this being as if it has value and then we forget that like so, somehow the baby loses value and when it becomes a workforce or a consumer or a participant in modern culture. So I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to go, go back to this original state that we were in that somebody cared enough about us that we survived, you know, so, so and, you, and there's, we have two moms here right now caring about little babies 
in a wonderful way. And so can you just talk about it? Sure. Um, I get, yeah, like I find it much easier. For me, the challenge has been as she grows up and develops more of a personality, like I think it, it speaks to the point of like when someone is just there and being pure love and pure presence, it can speak to, to how healing that is. And for me in my experience, like, I guess, um, like having somebody and maybe this is showing like having somebody depend on me like that. And then also remind me of just what pure presence is like helps me I don't know I'm kind of stumbling over the words but like basically before I became a mother I would probably just like be dead right now I mean, this, this is what, this is the point of the question right now is how did we forget? How did each of us devalue ourselves? How do you unvalue yourself? Yeah, I, I, I do not know. And um, I guess maybe just doing stuff like this and, and showing up and showing up as best as we can and trying to, no, I mean immense value. Like these babies, you guys, I want to hear from Habet can you, in a second, but just like what these babies have immense value and all they do is make messes, you know, be problems, like, you know, keep you up at night and need to be fed and changed and all this stuff. So, okay, where, how did we devalue ourselves from such an obvious value? Habet, can you talk about that somehow? Because we grew up in this society. <laughs> But what does that mean? Because we became, we became socialized in this society that wants us to forget our value. Yeah, but how could we agree to that? I don't agree to that. I, my, my gremlin still wants to jump out every day. Okay. Every I want to hear from Habet. Habet, can you talk for a minute? Thank you, Tessa. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Habet, you have to uh, un unleash your microphone. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I say um, what I see or observe in myself is um, that there's nothing more important. There is no... Um, when, when I observe her, how she's acting in... in yeah, with the world, let's say. Uh, everything is the same for her. She has no hierarchy, like a, a grass uh, or a tree or a flower or a spider or whatever she's doing with the thing or with something out of herself. It's She's doing it all with the same enthusiasm and excitement and okay. this okay mm -hmm. i bet this is it 
when we're look, look around the screen, look at all those people, they're really wonderful people, but you look at them and how many of them are full of enthusiasm and ecstasy so far? You know, how many, where did that go? Like what I'm saying, the innate value, the natural value of being and consciousness and presence, like that value did not go anywhere. And yet we have been convinced to not value ourselves or not value that in others or in, you know, if, if we're with somebody and something is not happening, something's wrong. It's like if, if we're not doing something. So how, how, is, how are we supposed to explore extraordinary and archetypal relating with each other if we have to stay in the domain of okay, who's, who's cooking lunch, who's washing the dishes, who's paying the bills, who's going to work, you know, who's, who's washing the clothes? Like all of that domain is about doing stuff and doing it good enough or criticizing and 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 like how how is it going to be possible for us to explore extraordinary and archetypal if we don't get out of the if we don't start entering this domain like Anne Chloe was talking about about appreciation or about appreciating the value of the being the consciousness the actual like there's this woman here. She's I, I don't think I ever talked to you. Your name is Joy, Joy Marcotte, Marcotte. And so I don't know if I ever met you before, but okay, here you are. Now, how many people can see her value? Just can you sense her, how many people can sense it? Just put, hold up your hand. Okay, so, and most of you never met her before, saw her before, talked to her before, and yet you can perceive and probably experience through this little tiny weird, you know, video por portrayal of joy, um, the val her value, her value of being. She hasn't said one word. She hasn't made herself known yet. That we're still still perceiving her value. Okay. Nice sneeze. That's a great sneeze. So so okay. So where does that? How does that disappear in our everyday lives? Even with people who we're supposed to love, you know, people in our intimate relating who we're supposed to love and be next to where does how can something replace that value for us how how can it how can that diminish how can it be how can somebody become disgusting or despicable or despised or degraded or any other of these d words like how do we go into denial about this immense value that we're perceiving right now from joy, even though she hasn't, she's not doing anything. She's just being with us, with her attention and her presence. How, and we can feel the, the and, and appreciate the, the value of that. And yet, how do, we, how do we lose that in an instant? Like how, how can you do that? I have an idea that this ties into what was being said about the community um, idea of producing or creating things for others and that how um, we we sort of forget that we're part of a large- Could you speak like, in I, please? Oh, oh, oh okay. Um, oh, gosh, that's going to be hard. Um, because I'm thinking about 
uh, human evolution. I just gave a talk on energy management and it takes, you know, 12 to 13 million calories to grow a, a human being from um, conception to adulthood. And they're very dependent in the early stages of that. And so it takes, um, it takes other humans, all they can do is receive and learn and grow. And then it takes other humans to contribute uh, the energy that it takes for them to grow. And I we, have only one thing to say, and that is Crivens. Crivens. Crivens, it means you're changing the subject radically. And I'm, I'm asking about something completely different from that. That was a total subject change and also a total space change. So let's go back. I'm asking a, a serious investigative question about the value that we are is not the value that we negotiate in our extraordinary and archetypal relations. How could that be possible? I'm just seeing that as I, you know, as I think about how I value myself, I need to understand that um, it's part of my contribution to the rest of society, that, that, that I see that I, I interpret my value based on how I feel I'm able to contribute to, and it can, thinking just in these terms of energetic needs, but all the other things that, that encompasses, um, wants and desires and that this programming is part of our evolutionary heritage to feel that we need to participate in this cycle. So we can receive and just purely be when we're young, but we need to be able to give our contribution to the cycle to feel we have value as we get older. I hear that that's one way to look at it and it's strange from my perspective to look at it that way, that there's some kind of caloric balance needed for somebody to have value. I question that. Joy, could you talk to us? You have to push the, yeah, go ahead. Hello. Hello. Um, hi. We, um, we have, we have a, a tradition here that we avoid the word, um, especially the first word. So <laughs> I love it. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you. I would like to contribute to the answer by by example by taking Tessa's son as an example, and I may be way off track. I don't know, but my thought was we develop our value um, at a very young age. So Tessa's son is going to determine his value based on what he can and cannot do. Right now he's being, and so he has this beautiful value. But when he tries to learn something and do something like walk or talk or read or tie his shoes, he's going to get this perception that he cannot do it. Therefore, he needs help. Therefore, he is less than and he needs to reach out to someone to help him who understands it or knows it. And what this is doing to our psyche is creating this image that we are less than or not as valuable as. And so then as he grows up and he gets to this stage of contribution, he already has in his psyche 
um, a perception that he is less than. And so I think it starts at a very, very early age, as young as, as that. And um, that's how it develops. And, and it gets reinforced in our lives because as we develop that perception of ourself and it becomes embedded in our belief system, then the world reflects it back to us. So it's just reinforcing our devalued sense as opposed to focusing on our contribution and our value, focusing on the opposite. Are you a psychologist? No. What are you? I, I give Lomi massage. <laughs> but I love personal development and I love delving into topics like this. And, um, and I think that's- you? What are you then? Oh, what am I or who am I? What? What? What am I as opposed to who am I? Um, I'm this personality called Joy Marcotte that's living this life in, in this incarnation and just learning and growing and enjoying. Okay, okay. I, I was inviting you to... I was inviting you to format what you are in a way that's a bridge for delivering some of your value, just as just out of wildly like that. Oh, so, so in order, you were asking me what roles I have that might reinforce. Maybe, I don't know. Writing house people, what are you? Can you, do you guys have, can you say what you are? So, Speak up, you have to really get close to the microphone or something. What I've been experimenting <laughs> with. No, 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 short answer, short answer. I, I am a possibility doula. Thank you. Anybody I'm an agent of adventure. Thank you. Anybody else? Evolutionary abundance midwife and uh, bringer of uh, people's values through. I am a love injectoress. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I opened that question as a, as a, as a way of, of claiming value or like, standing in value again, because you know, the baby stands in value, but it's mostly unconsciously. And then there's this, you know, this middle phase of being in complete chaos and pain. And now there's a chance to stand in value again and, and use it, deliver it, provide it, you know, and, you know, the next sentence after you say what you are, you know, I would say to Ingrid, I would say Ingrid, prove it but, but the thing is she proved it just by doing it she proved it by you know blasting through and telling us she already proved it just by saying it so yeah i in any case i'm i would really i there's this whole there's a lot of horrible painful and confusion going on in the world and and there's, this, there's a temptation for us, I think, to bear that, 
like to take it on personally and like like to to mix ourselves into this confusion that that is mostly marketed on the media and television and and stuff it's mostly there's this all this confusion and pain going on and then and to uh, find a way out of that is to is to really it's part of next culture it's a it's to stand in be a bridge to provide provide bridges to be doorways to a new, the next culture a next culture and that includes somehow non-material value as the central as the central issue of what's going on and rather than uh, thinking of how much money we have in the bank account or what kind of car we drive or house we live in or et cetera, et cetera, this non-materialistic um, value is so much more regenerative and sustainable and communicative. Like you can, you can infect other people with it and then they have more value than they did before. And it, it doesn't, you know, it grows by giving it away. I think that's one of the amazing things about the non-materialistic orientation because in the material world, if you give it away, you have less, it goes away, it vanishes. Whereas in the non-material world, if you give it away, it's amplified, it's shared, it's, it grows. And so this is a completely different orientation from anything that we've been brought up in. And since we are the bridge people, you know, we're the ones it's our job to invent next culture. I, I, I wanted to make use of the opportunity here to, dis, to consider how we can reclaim the value that we are to get out of, to escape the confusion that, that we are not, that I am not value, that you are not value, that value is not happening right now. We come together in this space to exchange value. And what happens? Well, everybody gets bigger. Everybody who can get the value gets more and everybody who can give value gets bigger. And so we're, this is a value increasing space because we're sharing value. And that it's a, a high point of my week and a high point of, of you know, my life. So Yes. Anything else about that stuff right now? Jeff, you already spoke. I want to see if there's somebody else. Did, did you watch? Is it a short thing, Jeff? Yeah. So last night, Joy and Odetta and I played a game. And I want to, I proposed that Joy call that game up. And it's funny because she didn't actually get a chance to go because the game lasted for a long time. But I can't see most people. Okay, you're referring to the superpower game? Yes. Um, would you like me to describe it? Or I, are you suggesting that we do it here? What is your superpower, Joy? Well, what is my superpower? <laughs> my superpower is love and compassion. <laughs> Always. Thank you. Uh, I Kira, share. Go ahead. I, I noticed a thing or a way of how I diminish or not see other people's or my value. And that is by not feeling the pain of what it means to be in relationship. 
So if I if I look at someone and not feel what that makes me feel, I do not see their value. And and if I if I do not feel what what I feel for myself or just by myself, I also do not see my value. And I cannot. And there's this part about taking actions from my feelings that can also not happen then that makes it even like I go more down into not value whole, something like that. Okay, thank you. Ava, were you gonna say something? Yeah, several things, but I don't know where it's going because it's so many different things at the same time. But what's most alive now at the moment is for me that this thing about value, it also has to do with that we don't have these initiation processes anymore. I was thinking of, like, I think for a child, this being phase is so important, but then there comes this step where they can take more responsibility. And it's, and it's unclear because we don't have these clear moments where they are initiated in a next step and where they can develop other forms of being than they had as a baby. You know, after seven, they can take more responsibility. And if we had these initiations that made it clear that how they can contribute mm -hmm. by what turns them on for the community they are in, then it would give them more clarity on what their value is and how they can bring themselves into. Like the, 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 there's a, the, the example I have is that we just did this PM holiday thing and my son was so turned on by mowing the, mowing the lawn for hours on end because he was just turned on by this technical device, but he was also like it was providing for him the possibility to contribute to the well-being of the whole community. And the same with when we grow up to be adults, then if we have the initiations, then we know now that that's the time now to deliver our our transformatory or healing skills to the community. Thank you. Oh, that's going on. I mean, you know, so just to be clear in this space, you know, the word initiation is confusing in modern culture, but in next culture, it's very clear and simple. An initiation is any activity, any process after which you are able to be more responsible that is initiate, initiatory. It, it builds the thing in you that allows you to be take responsibility. That's initiation. And so like you described it purpose, perfectly, Ava, and I just wanted to define how clear and simple it is and to, to create those things for each other. You know, we can create those, there's, there's no end to initiatory processes because there's no end to how responsible we can be or how conscious we can be. There's no end to that. And so we can ongoingly, and, and I'd say it's one of, perhaps one of the most delightful things possible is to create for each other these, uh, these processes or experiences after which we are able to be more responsible. More, and, and, and responsibility is just applied conscious, consciousness. So it's like, okay, how do you, what, how do you actually do that? I mean, that's, to me, that's one of the, that's what we're doing here. And, you know, 
I, it's a, I agree we're, we're just talking with each other, but even in daily life, there's actions and there's interactions that after which you are able to be more responsible. Like that thing is ecstatic. That's the, the evolutionary force of the universe at work through us. And if, and if that could be our, one of our main kinds of, of interactions is providing these initiatory processes for each other that are, are really simple. They're really, it's like you become more able, you become more able to appreciate the value that you are like that. And so, you know, we're stuck because we're for the most part, not, not in a, living in the same places with each other. However, the conversations that we've had week after week have, are exactly that. After this conversation, my wish, or I've seen evidence to prove that those people who participate in the conversation actually are able to be more responsible in those areas. And so did, was anybody gonna say something else? Yeah, Habet? Yeah, speaking about um, being more responsible and having initiation, I'm doing my driving license. I'm learning how to drive a car. <laughs> and, uh, I've, I, I clearly feel that I was missing that earlier in my life, this part of taking responsibility. Because last time I shared about having difficulties to commit, right, to be more responsible than the other person, to have unfair conversations things like that and now in the training to drive a car what you training is to be more responsible than others right when they make mistakes and stuff like that you have to count on that that children just run on the street or people do crazy shit and i, I find it confusing also with the baby to say i'm doing it for someone it's, I'm not doing it for, I want to survive also, right? And I, I, I want to do the right thing. It's not for somebody. And that's the same with the baby because if I don't take care of her, she will scream like hell. That will burst my head. It's not just, I'm doing it for her because she's so sweet. It's, it's like, <laughs> I think it's more complex than just doing it for somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say something about about this creating value and, and like what's the product of whatever next culture game world or what could be the product. And it's for me, it's like okay, if we don't even get to the the point where we can value our own value then there is no next culture because then our value is not brought in the community like like eva was saying and so it seems to me that a lot of the first game worlds to build a bridge is about reclaiming our value like that's what the game worlds have to be about to start and then when people get there it's like okay there's this whole other world that opens and and we can the product can be something else but it's weird to think of next culture game world of being centered on initiation as if it's something as if it's a product and not something ordinary but I think it has to be for a while until 
until we get back on a like a zero like on the baseline and, and then and then the and and then the products can be something else so it could be like a writing house so it could be uh for training doulas or it can be for training whatever like there's all these dimension of next culture that 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 people want to whatever have to create like people would there are the pieces of the puzzle but it, yeah we're not it's like we're not there yet until we can value on value okay thank you I would like to invite us to take that home as the first experiment from this week is, is okay, how, how can I do that? How, how, what are the ways that I can in my daily life be around people so that they can value their own value more than they were before and that we can value their value together? So uh, that's a kind of intimacy when you can value your value or the other person's value together with someone else is, is intimacy. And it's a being to being intimacy. And this is a, how do you do those experiments? So that would be up to us to do those experiments. I mean, a, a lot of our value exchanges intellectual, you know, we have these information or ideas or concepts or constructs and you know, we share this idea and somebody goes, oh yeah, wow, that's a cool idea. And then we have an idea back and we argue about our ideas. And then and a lot of our inter interaction is this mind-to-mind -mind intellectual exchange of ideas. And, and that doesn't even touch what we're talking about right now. It does not even touch the value, the, you know, the value of being and the amplifying or unfolding the experience and the exchange of the value of being. It, how do we do that? How, where, where and how in your daily life can you do that? And can you do that this week? <clears throat> Not as a concept, you know, in reality, in the people that you're living, working with, the people that you interact with for your life, you know, can you, how can you do that? And when you, when you find one, please write it down. <clears throat> please send it in the chat, in our Telegram chat space so that other people can try it. Because you, each one of us, you know, this conversation is a rare conversation. I never had this conversation before in my life. This is not a, a predicted conversation. It's a, it's a radical relating in out of nothing created conversation about valuing the value. So this, and it's central, as Anne-Chloe was talking about, it's so central to the unfolding of next culture. And so, okay, this is, a, this is up to us to invent the ways to do that and document them and share them and keep practicing. And, and so that other people know, they, they, other people have a path. I mean, people need to know what we're doing. And so that's, the point about it is to write it up is to share share how you did a, a value valuing value experiment the amplification of the experience of value happening in the space with other people 
is like, if you please do that and write down your experiments, even ones that don't work, you can say, look, I tried this and it did not work. It doesn't mean the experiment's bad. It just might mean the circumstances were bad, you know, not, not functioning. So other people could try the same experiment in different circumstances and it could fly. So would people do that? People want to try this? People want to do this? Okay. And then just write down in the chat room anything you figure out about that. All right. Cool. We're in this. I want to say something more because it was one of the things that that's really important for me. Because what you're describing, I've 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 had the experience of that when I've been dancing contract improvisation. And what's getting clear for me now is that it's exactly because it, 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 it's the same basis as we do when we're a child, you know, it's this somatic bodily approach. It's, it's non-sexual and it's, it's just about feeling the joy. Like it's like two puppets going all around each other. It's this, this joyful play and it has so much to do with sensing the body, sensing the ground under us, and then just playing with each other. And I, at the moment, I'm really careful with this practice because I don't want to enmesh my bubble with other people's bubble. And what, what's becoming so alive with me now is like, if the context is set very clearly, I think that this practice really can or my experience is that I can feel my value and the value of the other person just by playing in this way with each other. Because it's, it doesn't need words. It's completely out of the moment and it's being, it's the practice of being with each other. Nothing needs to happen. Yeah, so Ava, I'm asking you to, to change it around the other way. I'm asking you to let's experiment with life as improvisational contact dance, not, not the other way around, not to wait until those moments when we have quote unquote, you know, we paid our 350 and go into improvisational contact dance space for an hour with a bunch of strangers. I'm talking about changing your life around to making it ongoing, never ending improvisational contact dance, like conscious theater out of it. Out, out of appreciating being, and I'm, you get that? I'm doing it the other way around. Yeah. Exactly what you said, just the other way around. Like, why would you ever leave that space? Like you're telling me you leave that space when it's so, so delectable, it's so delightful and nutritious and exchange worthy, you know, there's so much happening and then you leave the space. What are you nuts? You know, like, why would you leave that space? Yeah. So I'm asking you to do the experiment of never leaving that space and writing down some ways you find out to refuse to enter this mind to mind, you know, information exchange culture that surrounds us if, if you don't have a really clear bubble about what culture you live in. You know, it's like how, just refuse to leave that space and then make offers to people. Make, make offers of high value to other people. And they may or may not be able to receive your offer or play back with you, you know, to make an exchange back, to give you, to exchange the value back. They may not be able to do that. That does not mean you have to stop. 
you can ongoingly, basically that's what I, I'm ongoingly making those offers. Anybody, everywhere, all the time. And I'm pretty much in ecstasy all the time, except when I'm coughing from this cold that I have. And then I haven't figured out how to make coughing ecstatic. It's just really obnoxious in the middle of the night waking people anyway. But the rest of the time, it's pretty much like that. So see, see about that. See if you can if you can crack through the barrier that would, uh, it's kind of a prison that would, would, would constrict around your, your being to the point where the value of your being is, is, is compressed or repressed or suppressed or oppressed or some kind of pressed. And, and, and it's no longer available for you and then also no longer available for others. It's like how to, how to avoid that how to avoid the, the compression thing and, and let the value just hang out there, as you said, like as play. Because, I mean, it says right here in this book on page something, it says, you know, relationship is ongoing actions of nonlinear creating. And that's a, it's an it's a exact approximation of what we're just talking about. Mm, but I like what we're talking about better than that even. It's even more clear. So this exchange of value creates more value as, and it's, and it, there is no script for it. It's ongoingly invented. And so the invention itself is valuable and the, and the exchange of what's invented is also valuable. So this is what I'm talking about, Do, trying those things and documenting them so that by the end of the week, we have a little handbook for how to do this, for valuing value. People put their hands up. So I'm going to count on you for doing those experiments and writing up some notes about it. Gilles, Gilles, talk to us about that. I think you can do this. Yes, I've, uh, I've been uh, in, uh, in several weeks of great transformation. And one of them is in relationship with Patricia. And both of them are into authentic relating. And, and when, when we are, we are grounding, we are seeing also one of the things I've experienced is in my eyes, Patricia going for a two days of low drama and still being very present and, and, and being in connection with her. And, and, try, and I was hooked sometimes and valuing myself and us of doing the process. It's not about being right or wrong. And, and, and always these invitations, what are you thinking about? I'm also getting triggered every time I get hooked. I want to start, where were you wrong yesterday? So I can, and I'm just putting it out there so you can see me. And it, it's, I'm, I'm not getting, I'm, sometimes I'm getting hooked. And, and I was valuing myself as being aware. I was valuing her of her doing the pros. And after the two days, she came with this offer about, I want to go and live in a community focused on education and I want to relate authentically to the, my neighbors and so on. And I was like, that's exactly what I want. And she just came out from a two days um, low drama into a very high drama theater. Yes. <laughs> and, and yesterday I, I was also, we are reading the, the lab manual I'm really grateful for all, all of your work and also at you have written also, Clinton. And, and it was about these uh, nine cow women 
and it really touched me. It's it was it it was really uh, the, it was really touching me about. I can take it even even further. It's not about comparing her. It's about Queen Maker. So, so I, I'm on that land of of, of value and my relationship and and myself. So and Patricia. So the the three of us, and we just understood that we are very into this fusion state of relationship, moving into a bit more extraordinary, with some distinctions and some moments. So we also. Yeah, we are, we are dedicated to that. And I want to share that. And, and one more thing, I, I want to really value the process I did with Vera, which is here on the call, which really changed my life of grounding my anger. And um, it was basically a week ago. Uh, and it changed the field of me and Patricia. And also the process that uh, Dor, um, Martin and me did to Thomas and it was really an honor. I really feel glad, a joy at, the, at another level with, uh, with, uh, with seeing a man holding a space. It was door uh, and all of us supporting for Thomas. And at the, and, uh, at the end, we, we also valuing Thomas for his process, which for me gave me as much as seeing door doing his process. So I'm, I'm, I'm also valuing here the four men that did, a, 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 for me, a, a, an extraordinary process together. It touched me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. You know, we're, we're calling these things emotional healing processes, but what, what the way you described it, Gio, is it's really this space of high value exchange. It's, and it's a transformational experience so the value of being in transformation showed or shared with somebody else who's also holding space or in the space of transformation, what a high value that is. And then it's, it's play. It's like Ava was saying, it's so playful, even though it's serious, it's earnest, you know, it's, it's radically honest and yet it's playful at the same time. So thank you for describing that and really giving us a, a, like a doorway into what you've been up to lately. Thank you. I, I wanted to, uh, Andrea, what about you? We haven't heard from you in a while. Can you talk to us? Yes, hello. Hi. Um, there's actually a few things that I wanted to say. Like um, one of the things was that, I think it was the last time you were speaking um, we were reading from the book, like um, how how I can trust myself around other people rather than uh, like blaming them or whatever. And it really changed my perspective and um, brought the responsibility back to me. And and I really was observing during the week how how I relate to the other people and like what, what thoughts I have and, and if I am fine with how the conversation goes or with what, what's happening there. Um, and it was really, um, extraordinary for me to, to focus on this. And um, I feel a lot happier by doing that as well. <laughs> and um, 
there was actually a thing that I wanted to say. It's not related to the conversation about the values that was there before, but I would like to ask for a support. Um, because I realized that I am ready to, to jump into the next stage in my life and um, that I am done with the things and waiting for other uh, people right. because it was easier when I was around other people and the community, but I changed the environment and I wanted to sign up for a course, but it seems that I will not get in there because of the travel restrictions, etc. So Andrea, so, Andrea yeah. so we don't have, we don't do support here. What we do is emotional healing processes, and we work in teams. And if you can, you phrase it like that. Can you say, "I'd like an emotional"? You don't have to say what it's about. You say, "Could I would? I'm asking for an emotional healing process. Could somebody help me hold space for that?" It's not actually an emotional healing process, but what I thought is rather that I would like to do an experiment um, to focus more on like changing things in my life in this new environment. So look at, if it was not an emotional healing process, you would have done it already. So you're okay. stuck at the place and you've said, I'm ready to leap. And the leap itself is the process. So you're just framing it up in a way that doesn't work, won't work for you really. But if you try, if you just take a risk and go, look, I'm ready to leap. I need an emotional healing process. And can a couple of people hold space for me and then do it and then, then see what happens. Because you've set yourself up for a perfect opening, but can you, are you willing to do that? You want to try that? I still can't imagine like how that would look like what you're Good. proposing. Yay. <laughs> Those are the best processes I've ever been in is the ones I can't imagine how they would go. So do you, okay. you want to try it? I mean, I'm asking you, you know, you don't have to, of course, but I'm saying you have an opportunity here. There's so much skill in this space and you, you just heard Gilles report of how amazing it is. So just like, do you want to try it? Yes, I would like to try it. Go ahead, you have to ask. I would like to ask if someone could hold um, an emotional healing space for me about what's... You don't have to say what it's about. Okay. We already know your value. So you asked to see if anybody's hands go up. You just have to get ready. So Ingrid, Ingrid's... Andre, you have to write down their names. Otherwise, your box will make you forget. You got Ingrid. Anybody else want in on that? Eva, Jesus. Okay, and Brian. Okay, there you go. There's an amazing team. All right, so you get in touch with each other and work out the date and just do it. Okay? Thank you. Cool, and let us know how it goes. Yay. <laughs> I'm sure you will have a great time. <laughs> okay while that door is open is anybody else asking for emotional healing process for anything i want to celebrate my emotional healing process that happened last week that was the first one and i've done like different kinds of therapy and this was very interesting and very powerful um, and i want to thank Thor and jill who are both here 
and Martin, who was, who was also. Cool, thank you. Nice to hear from you, Tomas. Good work. What a team. You guys did super. And um, I'm, there's another layer, and Thor recommended that I ask for another team for another layer. So I'm also asking for um, a team for doing another layer. You have to say you have to say the words I'm emotional healing an, process. I'm asking for an emotional healing process. There you go. Anybody up for that? Kian, you got Kian. And Devin. Kian and Devin. Wow. Okay. There you go. Yes. And Jeff. Yes. Jesus. Cribbins. We have a team there. All right. And Hannes. Are you in that team also, Hannes? Cool. You got that, Tomas? You got four yeah. four guys. Way Thank to go. You. Wow. Thank you. Okay. I want to add something that I, I think when we started the study group about a year and a half ago, that was also the moment where rage clubs were starting. And, and rage club has become so normal now in possibility management that we don't even talk about them anymore. Um, but I would really encourage, especially if, really if you have not done rage club, it will help you with your emotional healing process. You'll get more access to your feeling and the emotional healing process will have more impact. So get yourself into intro to the Rage Club so you can check it, check it out, see how it goes, check out different space holders, and then get yourself into a four weeks or now this 12 weeks uh, Rage Club and, and your life will change. This is a personal story, but I, I had my mom on the phone two days ago and she did a rage club with me and she a year ago and she still talks about how it's changing a life today and that's the only thing she tells me so you have proof from my mom <laughs> how do people do it how do people get get the info how do they sign up for a, an intro and stuff yeah get i'll post the link i guess but in the there's we have a pm event telegram group often the 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 Rage Club that posted there and then on the, the team up calendar. So I'll post these links. Um, Those are in the Rage Club website, right? Yes, that link is in the Rage Club website. Okay. But just will you check that to make sure the links you just mentioned are in that website so people can it, 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 they are at least the calendar, but I'll put the telegram group also. Yeah, cool. That'd be great. great. Yeah, no kidding. That's uh there's a revolution happening. And Chloe just uh, yesterday went neurotic and counted up how many uh, rage clubs have been delivered in the world in it this year. And it's over 100, over 100 rage clubs in the whole world. Yeah, it's very cool. It's incredible. That's 2021. This is 2021, 100. So in like eight months, and there's a whole new generation of Rage Club space holder being born as we speak. And so <laughs> we get to 200 by the end of the year. And, and I haven't said this in a long time, but if you if you start being a Rage Club space holder and regularly deliver Rage Clubs online, you can quit your corporate job and you get enough money to pay rent and food and you can quit your corporate job and get on with your life in next culture already. You can do it. It's people are doing this all over the world. There's 8 billion clients out there. I'm serious. <laughs> and every single one has been suppressed by the same value crushing modern culture that 
and their experience of themselves is that they have no value until they, they try to sell themselves to some corporate person, you know, who puts them in a box somewhere. So really uh, get, get access to yourself with the Rage Club thing. It's, it's so uh, unbelievably impressive how, how it works. People, we get so much fan mail from people who are going, I felt anger for the first time in my life as conscious anger. I could start it and stop it. And I knew what percentage big it was. And I used it for making a boundary or changing my mind or cleaning out the garage. And it was so fantastic. So yeah, please tell your friends and your enemies, really tell your enemies about Rage Club. Really, you just, if you send them into Rage Club, you know, they transform and then they won't be your enemy anymore. I mean, you know, you can always get more enemies, you know, there's no problem with getting enough enemies, but you know, send your enemies to Rage Club. This is the cool thing to do. Like they will thank you. Then they're not your enemy anymore. They'll be your fan. Life is so much fun. All right, any somebody else? Where are you? Um, where'd you go? Uh, where'd you go? There was somebody else I, I wanted to hear from who's out there. Wahadi, I don't know if you can still hear me. Wahadi, you were there. I, I wanted to just have you say some stuff if you wanted to. So I don't know if you can hear me right now. The other person, who else is out there? Uh, Door, do you have something to say? Or Hannes, did you want to say something? All right. Just checking. Okay. All right. I'm in the book. Hello, Anne Elizabeth. I'm in the book on, uh, we started this section, but we, we got, we spun out into other stuff at the beginning and the very beginning of this section is so powerful. I wanted to start there again. It's a uh, make boundaries, page 192, section six W. And it says that your, your five bodies instantly tell you whenever a boundary needs to be made, tells you exactly where, exactly with whom and exactly about what. Your bodies know. The conflict that interferes with hearing your body's boundary messages is that the carrier wave, like the supporting energy for making a boundary is the feeling of anger. If it is not okay for you to consciously experience feeling angry, then all of your boundaries, boundary messages will be repressed right along with the anger. And just try to get how that mechanism is so confusing and so disheartening and disempowering. And it's such a straightforward message. I mean, a straightforward uh, procedure, how it works. If it's not okay to feel angry, you will not get your boundary messages. And the whole world you're in will be this, this painful, chaotic kind of mess. So the natural response to anger is to stop the circumstances that are causing the anger. That makes sense, right? Instead, we've been trained to stop the anger. So we're focusing on stopping the circumstances and instead we stop the anger. As an experiment, consider this question. If it were okay for you to feel angry and to use your anger to make decisions, boundaries and changes, what decisions, boundaries and changes would you make? 
So if you were free to be as angry and pissed off as you, as you can, really, you should check the Rage Club website out. There's a bunch of videos on there that we, we've recently upgraded the Rage Club website, rageclub.org or rageclub.mystrikely.com. Check it out. We recently upgraded it, but it's got a bunch of videos on there that are just inspiring. So about making decisions, making changes, making boundaries, seriously engaging this question would produce answers in writing. So what I'm saying is write it in your beat book. You know, what would you really change if it was okay to be as pissed off as you really are? And then, can what I, would you change? Go about, ahead. About that, Julie, Julie just sent out, I mean, some of you have commented, commented, she just sent out this amazing video just about this saying, what would I, who would I be? What would I say if I was angry? And it and it's in the study group, and it's so it's so true. It is so authentic. And so just she's not. It's we can't see her. You can just see her. Let's hear her voice. But I think it makes it even more powerful. So that could be an experiment for for next week. What would I say if I was allowing myself to be angry? And and yeah. just and post it. Just turn your phone on, push record, and go for it. You know, really do it. Make it two or three minutes. And, and upload it so we can share that. There's so much inspiration and clarity from that. Mm -hmm. You just turn on your phone and record yourself. Freaks your box out, you know? What would your mother say, you know, if she actually heard what you were really angry about? You know, what would she say? Your mom might actually see this. Oh my God, Crivens, what, <laughs> what would she say? So there's, there are two ways to use the energy and information of anger. One, one changes the conditions outside of yourself and involves making boundaries. And the other uses anger to change conditions inside yourself and involves making distinctions. Making distinctions is a higher technology than making boundaries. Distinctions are smoother, less confrontive, more elegant, more conservative and conserve more energy than boundaries, but making distinctions is also subtler, more delicate and less obvious. Let's start with the work of making boundaries. So really you have to learn the technology of boundaries before you really get it about making distinctions. <laughs> A boundary functions like an energetic wall. Examples of boundaries include, no, stop, stay away. Yes, I want that. We made an agreement already about this and I want you to keep your agreement. This arrangement is not okay. Never do that behavior again. Only do it this way. That is none of your business. This is my life. I will not do that. Leave me alone and so on. These are just examples of walls. You know, these are the boundaries that you can make. As simple as they may seem, it may be a surprise to learn how inadequate most of us are when it comes to making boundaries. Like most of those words I just said, we don't even have them in our vocabulary. It's so incredible in trainings and stuff to get people up and, and have somebody walk towards them and the person here, their job is to say stop. And the person walks and just crashes right into them because they can't even say stop. So we, we, we do not have these words in our vocabulary. So I'm not sure I wanna say this right now, but it's about uh, being able to say stop or no, or you or that 
is warrior energy. It's warrioress. It's the warrioress at work. And it's such a joy to have an alive warrioress inside of you, a warrior or warrioress inside of you. It's not like some, you know, hero, you know, some, some hero character out on the, on the screen. You go, yeah, I get that guy, you know, pick up the sword, you know, turn around, you know, like, you know, that's fun. But when it's inside of you, you breathe differently. You eat your peanut butter sandwiches differently. You wash the different dishes differently. You, you just look around, you can scan a space differently because inside of you is inhabit, you're inhabited by a warrior or warrioress. It's, it's, and then that comes alive because through being able to make these boundaries, to use the anger like that. So boundaries supplement our ability to trust. Okay, that's what we were talking about last time. This whole thing about not trusting another person is actually you not trusting your own ability to take care of yourself around that person. Okay, so you don't have to remain so guarded when you realize that there's a wider variety of characters who could enrich your life experience as friends. If you can take care of yourself around, you know, fringe people, you can have fringe friends and it gives you more diversity for your novel, you know, for character characterizations in the novel that you're writing or the screenplay, you get more ideas. God said, he said, what? He said, Cribbins. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. As you begin making boundaries with your own children, you will feel the separation between you and them decreasing which is the opposite of what we would expect, okay? We separate ourselves from our children as a way to protect ourselves, but then we are separate from our own children. When we can take, when we can take care of that, there we go. When we can take care of ourselves by making boundaries, when our sword of clarity is always at the ready, that's what I mean, the sort of clarity is about making these boundaries. Then you can get quite close to people and still feel safe. Getting close to people and still feeling safe. See, what we do is we tend to make a buffer zone and we make this distance between us and other people because we don't feel safe, because we don't know how to take care of ourselves with negotiations and boundaries and distinctions like that. And so instead of, Instead, we make these buffer zones and then we wonder why we feel alone. We wonder why we feel separate. You know, we wonder if I were isolated. But, in, but if you learn this stuff, you just start doing experiments. It doesn't take very long before you can get close to basically everybody, any person you want. You can get close to them because you can negotiate. You can, you can take care of yourself around other people. And, and this is such an amazing thing. This is this ability to get close with even creepy characters, you know, and I don't mean really creepy characters, but I mean like people that you would normally make a buffer zone with because, because when they wash dishes, they're not really clean, you know, or something like that, but you can still get close to them because there's they're, the way they comb their hair does not meet your mother's standards or something like that. You can still get close to people like this. 
Because boundaries ride on the energy of anger and because we tend to block consciously feeling our anger, we may not sense the need to make a boundary until the enemy is at our castle gates. Because if you're blocking your anger, you won't know when to make the, the boundary. You may be surprised to know that you have the capacity to detect your anger when it arises in your body and it's only one, two, or 3% intense. You know, anger can only be so intense, 100% intense. How many people have ever gotten to do 100% intense, archetypal, full-blown, conscious anger on purpose for no reason? How many people got to do that? Yeah, it's good, but it's not enough, okay? This, if you guys are with other people who have not done that, hold space for them to do that. It is so great to get totally 100% angry for no reason, consciously, but 100% intense. It is fantastic. But then when you do that, you can also, it turns on this lever, so it lets you detect 1%, 2%, 3% intense anger, and that is enough anger to make a boundary. You don't need to be shouting and kicking the dog and slamming the door to make a boundary. You can make a boundary at 2% intense angry and it works forever for the rest of your life. You can make a boundary like that. Archetypal intense, yeah. Such a small amount of anger is still anger. It is not something besides anger. Pure anger at 2% is still anger. Even at one to 3% big, anger can still inform you of the need for attention towards a specific concern, or perhaps even alert you to the possibility of making a preemptive boundary. So that thing, it's like noticing, it, uh, the example right now is with a glass of water sitting at the edge of the table. I get angry that this glass of water is sitting at the edge of the table. It's actually, I feel afraid it might get knocked over. And so I'm afraid about, I'm angry about it being there. And I use my 1% anger to reach over and move the glass into the middle of the table. And then the feeling's gone. That's how you use the anger. It's you do a preemptive action. So that's what it's for. That's what these low level of feelings are for. If you do not detect that you're angry until it goes past 80% intensity, you would suddenly go from 0% to 80%, this shock, and you would be ready to explode. So how many people ever exploded with unconscious anger before? You just exploded, yeah. Okay, so you know what that feels like. It's this shock because your numbness bar is high, you don't feel it when it's lower, and all of a sudden, you, the first thing you feel is 80% intense, and then you explode. So, yeah. Or, or implode. I mean, that's, it's kind of like this implosion and, and then it's a collapse. It was like, and it's a separation. The implosion creates total separation, collapse. Yeah. Pulling so, back. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I was, I couldn't think of a moment where I exploded, but I, I definitely can definitely think a lot of moment where I imploded with too much rage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what happens when you implode? Yeah, it's like I have to go away and I it's like really brewing kind of in my stew. I mean, there's a lot of like resentment and revenge plots and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are you laughing right now? 
because it's ridiculous. I mean, I, um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, but the implosion, the resentment thoughts, I mean, the revenge thoughts. How many people know what she says when she says revenge thoughts? Okay. So, you know, we, most people don't talk about revenge thoughts in public, but you can. You know, when you put it on the table, when you expose yourself, you know, I'm, I'm doing revenge thoughts, you know, this is imploded anger. And then you could think back to the moment when you, when you imploded. And there was a boundary to be made there that you did not make. And instead of living a free and natural space life, you've got a life contaminated with revenge thoughts. Well, this really takes away the taste of a Snickers bar. I'm telling you, you can eat a whole Snickers bar and not even taste it if you're doing revenge thoughts. And you just wasted your 75 cents and, and got the calories besides. So, so you shouldn't do that. You should, like, if you're going to eat a Snickers bar, no revenge thoughts. You got to be clear about this. Okay. You have to make use of those resources. There won't be sticker bars forever, I'm telling you. They won't last, it, you know, they're not, you can't, there's no guarantee that the company's gonna stay valid. So you have to watch out. The condition, okay, so when you explode or implode, this condition goes from red, from green, where everything you think is fine, to red, without any noticeable yellow in between. You get that? There's no yellow in between. It's just, first it's green and then red. And that, that's the shock. So you, you may, with that shock, you either leap to full implode where you basically pull all the way back from everything and then you're non-functional or you go into this full exploding, full attack mode. And uh, instead of maturely and wisely taking care of yourself, when your anger was first awakened, you know, three or 5%, then you take care of yourself and, and navigate it. In this case, you waited too long to make the boundary. Waiting is naive. It's, it's uh, you think things are gonna take care of themselves, but they don't. Letting the enemy cross your entire yard and enter your foyer before you even notice that they are there is a result of self-induced sleep. That's this numbness that we're talking about. You've made yourself numb, basically asleep. To make a shift, experiment with lowering your anger sensitivity bar, your numbness bar. Practice becoming conscious of what you are feeling when the feeling intensity level rises up to two or 3%. This will occupy you. You will be surprised at how much you feel at two or 3%. You know, if you're getting hungry, you get two or 3%. But if you don't feed yourself, it goes up to 60, 70%, and then you bite people's heads off around you. Anybody know what I'm talking about with the not taking care of yourself? Yeah. So such experiments may reveal that you feel more often and feel more deeply than you previously realized. Lowering your sensitivity limit, your numbness bar, gives you earlier warnings so that you can make boundaries at the border of your frontier uh, rather than at your bedroom door where a boundary would be far less believable and effective. That was an important little sentence I just said.
you know, you, you get the warning signs way out at the picket fence, you know, but when you're at the bedroom door, your boundaries are a little less believable and less effective. So I'm hoping the people who need to hear that are listening. By increasing your, your sensitivity toward your feeling, you can be more intelligent, relational, and compassionate with your boundaries because you do not have to enter full attack mode or full repression mode. You don't have to do that. So that allows you to be far more relational. The evolution of your boundary making relates to phase one and phase two of feelings work. As you recall, phase one is simply to feel, learning to consciously feel, it's a huge step. In the beginning of feelings work, you may find that some of your first long overdue boundaries are accompanied by hollering at the top of your lungs in 100% rage. What I'm saying is, is that since you have not made boundaries at different places, uh, there's, there are stored up things that may surprise you and come flying out uh, unexpectedly. Don't worry about that. Phase one of feelings work can be a little rough. You know, things, things that have been suppressed for a long time can come out at 100% rage. The results may be somewhat embarrassing. If you make a boundary with 100% rage where only 30% would have been sufficient, but do not worry. It only takes a few months of use to develop your feelings from the immature stage to the mature stage where you need them as an adult. Making a few sloppy boundaries along the way is far, far more important than continuing to make no boundaries at all. Other people will get over it, you will be forgiven, and you will live in a world where there are clear boundaries which is fantastic. In phase two of feelings work, when you have your feelings back and your voice back, then you can be more precise about the ways in which you establish boundaries. In phase two, the feeling tells you that a boundary is needed, but no shouting or screaming would be necessary because you make it earlier. Merely stating a boundary in all five of your bodies with full clarity about what is happening this is a boundary and what you are doing, that is sufficient. Even though you are not shouting, you still represent the potential of your sort of clarity, the potential to shout or scream or cry in any necessary instant. That's the value of learning to feel is the potential for you being loud is there at any instant. Your potential to instantly escalate if needed is enough to make and hold almost any boundary. If you do not have that ability to escalate instantaneously in seriousness, in forcefulness, if you don't have that potential, the other person feels it and it's just like they're talking to wet spaghetti. You know, there's no, there's no consequences to them not listening to your boundary because you cannot escalate. And so this, to the ability to escalate is this warrioress inside, the warrior inside. That is the ability to escalate. And you just live in it. You live in this ability to escalate and, and corn chips taste better. Really, think it's just fantastic that way. 
your first boundaries may establish a full barrier, like a thick, impenetrable concrete wall, 30 feet tall, topped with broken glass and barbed wire with spotlights and machine guns and electrified with 10,000 volts. You know, if you make a boundary like that, that's what it'll be like. Nobody could get through such a boundary. So you are definitely protected. As you continue to practice making boundaries in phase two feelings work, you may observe that while boundaries do form a barrier, that barrier also blocks intimacy. You do not get much communication through a concrete wall that's 45 centimeters thick. Over time, you might experiment with making finer boundaries, less solid boundaries. Yeah, your new boundaries prove to be just as effective, but will require fewer energetic materials in their construction, you know, you, and less attention to maintain. Continue making subtle boundaries, and you will discover the second way to make change, which is clarity. Clarity often protects you from harm even better than a boundary. So any, any questions about this boundary stuff or comments or sharing, any of that stuff? Any, any questions about that? Ava, go ahead. I have found out that I, I sometimes have this pattern to, to set the boundary or be very clear, but then I get hooked because I don't hold it. Like it's, it's, it's a short, clear moment and then I let go again and then it's not really held. Like I think there's two steps. There's the setting, like establishing this thing, mm -hmm. and there's also the holding. And yeah, did you, was... Ava? Did you ever do any sword work? I want to. Yeah, I'm researching. You should. Yeah. It's recommended in the possibilitator training to do six months of Aikido sword work. Yeah. Because the thing is, when you put the sword, that's the boundary, but you don't put it down. Yeah. It doesn't take, it does not take a lot of effort to hold the sword at somebody's throat. You just, and that's the boundary. But if you put the sword down, there's no, there's nothing. So it's about, and the thing was cool. Like, did you ever see one of these statues of a Hindu God or goddess that have more than two arms, two, four, six, eight, yeah. 10, 16, 24. Okay. This is your energetic arm. You can, anytime you want, you can make an energetic sword with an arm holding a sword any direction around you. It doesn't take much energy. Mm. But I often have five, 12, I have multiple swords out at the same time. And, and I, I relax. I can relax because the swords are out. The boundaries are not going away. The sword's at the person's throat. You know, if the demon comes at you and the sword is at their throat, what happens to the demon? Yeah, it kills itself. Okay, no problem. It's not, it's not your problem. It's like, you know, stepping on a piece of broken glass when, you know, you just, you stepped on it. You know what I mean? It's like there, it, it, you don't have to do anything to somebody else to, to be clear. Yeah. So that's what's... Energetic body can have multiple swords out at the same time at the neck, and it's just then you can relax. And but if you don't keep the sword up, you just put what what Ava? What is the show? What is the? Who do you become when you put the sword back down? 
I actually think it's still about, I've noticed also it's, it has to do with eye contact. Like, you know, I, I sometimes I make these quick boundaries and I go out of eye contact and it's like this, it's not really an energetic boundary that keeps, keeps the connection and really makes it clear it's in the connection here, here the boundary is. You did not answer my question. Yeah. Who do you become when you put the sword down? When you don't keep the eye contact, when you look away, who do you become? What happens? Well, it goes more into this being, going back into the isolation and more, more thinking about revenge or building. Well, look, I, I, I would try this answer. When I take, when I don't keep my boundary, when I put the sword down, I become a nice person again, a nice girl. Yeah, and a victim. Yeah. Yeah. So a nice girl can be victimized and there are no consequences. So, but I, I'm just saying is there's, you have a kind of addiction to being a nice girl. Yeah. So your experiment is to go out there and be a badass. I accept. How are you going to, how will you do that? And Chloe's going, yay. She's going, finally, she's going to be a badass. Ava the badass. We need Ava the badass in the world. Come on, you've got so much to give. Okay, so what, how are you going to do this? Okay, look, we're going to give you a couple of ideas. One is you, you get a bandolero, you know, like, like it's, a, it's a band that goes across your chest full of bullets. You know, it's just full of like, and you can, you can put Snickers bars in it instead of bullets or something like that. But, you know, like, so part of it is clothing. You can wear some article of clothing that tells people you're a badass, okay? What else can you do? When, Ava, when was the last time you littered? Okay, okay. Once a day, you have to drop a piece of litter in the in the public that is so cruel it's a piece of paper you know you can pick it up a half hour later but but yeah. you actually okay you got to do it where people can see you dropping the paper in front of them like put a big cheese a chewing gum in your mouth and right in front just drop it on the ground with the wrapper you know yes oh god <laughs> Okay, here's another one. Yeah. Uh, when, when you're at the cafe, chew with your mouth open, like wide open. That's not dangerous enough. I can do that. That's too easy. I can't do that. God, I have to do that one, man. All right. <laughs> okay, tell us one then. Tell us a couple. Hang up the telephone if the conversation is just not about what I want it to be about. Okay. That's pretty badass. I mean, it's yeah. All right. Okay. Go to the German ever... house at eleven or at ten p.m. German people can do at ten p.m. Knock at their door and say, "Do you have two eggs for me?" Eleven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That works. 
Tessa, go ahead. Um, I just have a question. So is being a badass about breaking wait, the girl? Wait, wait. This is specifically for Ava because she has this nice girl thing going on. Okay, she cannot experience herself as a dangerous person. Got it. Okay, so this is about how can Ava experience herself as a dangerous person? This is not for everybody. Okay. But, but is if, it all gremlin? It is not necessarily gremlin. It okay. is just, it is clear. It is clear like, it is clear like there are consequences with me. Okay. If you, if you, if you cross this line, there are consequences. And so we're trying to think of ways that Ava could practice being, like how can she communicate to people that she is not a soft egg, a weicheye, like they say in German, you know, <laughs> a Fußabtreter. I am not a Fußabtreter. That's a, 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 a map that you wipe your feet on. You know, <laughs> not one of those. How are you gonna do that? Tomas, did you have something I did with your hand up? Yeah, I had um, the next time you see someone and I want to do this, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to join you in doing this. The next time you see someone doing something in public that makes you angry, um, increase the anger by like 20% and say that you're angry. I would like to ask, why is it important to express, like to show other people that you're a badass like why is why is it not enough to just know that you are or like to so, so know, danny to become one again mm -hmm. this is specifically for ava yeah speci specifically for ava because it's a challenge for her because she has lived she her survival strategy it, it thrives by having a nice girl mask on and so then her mm -hmm. boundaries are weak because she shifts identity. She makes a boundary, really a clear boundary. And then within a few seconds, she shifts identity back to being a nice girl. And then the boundary has no consequences. So people and people around her know that. So, so would she be, would she be doing this badass stuff to the people that she wants to set the boundary with or just to anyone? No, no it isn't. She's not doing it to anyone. Like for her to drop the piece of litter on the sidewalk in front of other people, it's all about her. She's not doing anything to anybody else. I mean, it's about, it's about inhabiting. It's about expanding, inhabiting the territory of bad, badassness. And so to put more like points in it, more. Yeah, but we're just talking, it's simple adult behavior. Like an adult is able to make a boundary and it's clear and it's finished and there's no question about it and there's consequences and that's the domain of boundaries. And then there's the domains of distinctions that we haven't got into yet. We're about to enter the domain of distinctions, which is far more powerful even than boundaries. But what I'm saying is, is that if you, if you cannot be earnest about your boundaries, then that's, that's over and your boundary, you don't have a boundary then. So that's all this is about. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Those are important questions. Because we're not trying to have people just be, you know, stupid gremlins out there doing shit. That's not what this is about. This is about having the possibility of having there be consequences. And in that case, you don't get to smile. You don't get to have, see, Ava's not smiling right now. 
yay. And she has such a great smile and she's a wonderful person, you know, and she's just a nice girl and she smiles a lot and she's not doing it right now. And this is, this is, you know, Ava was at the, were you at the expand the box training too and the lab, right? Yeah. yeah. So she, yeah, so you learned a lot about, you built matrix for having consequences, for being adult, for being present in a way that was not hiding behind your nice girl smile act. Yeah, so this is what we're talking about is, okay, let's continue the work. Continue the work so that and, your boundaries have consequences. Yeah? And Eva, start holding space for introduction to Rage Club. Like, do it. You, yeah. you're there and this will really allow you to shift into that identity of being the warrioress being there with your sword holding a tight clear space this is this is right in front of you it's one of your next steps will you do it yes by when in three weeks and will you put it on the calendar before then? You know how to do that? Yes. Okay then. We we have a deal. Thank you. Thank you. If we practice conscious asshole in improvisational theater experiments in a training, wait. The uh 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 in a training that I hold space for starting tomorrow. There you can be a badass energetically in front of people without the social consequence. So, I mean, that's the beginning door. The door, you know, the beginning is to, is to break your own rule about it. But the real value, the, the part what we're trying to communicate here is to have it be real. It is not some little on-screen act that you do. It's a, great, it's a great first step. It's an important beginning. But what we're talking about is actualizing, is inhabiting, as Anne-Chloe said, Anne said, you inhabit the adult nature, like the, the, the reality, I keep using the same word, the, the consequences of your agreements. There are consequences. And so thank you for sharing that, Dor. Did you, Dor, did you want to say something else? I didn't hear your voice yet. Okay, thank you. But yeah, so so that's what this is about. Clinton, there was yes. a question from Hannah above in the chat. I think it's a it's a useful distinction. Hannah, go ahead. Can you can you say it? When you were speaking about boundaries, you mostly spoke about setting boundaries towards other people to protect your space or to make the space clear. And I was wondering because I noticed that I struggle more or often with setting boundaries in myself to inner parts of me, for example, the gremlin or childish parts or uh, destructive parts who tries to sabotage myself. And I was wondering whether it's the same process with uh, yeah, that's why I was, <laughs> maybe it's important to distinguish there to set outer boundaries and inner boundaries. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. It's a, it's a big thing. It's this whole idea of inner boundaries is a big question because there's this, uh, there's this inner work called uh, discipline called uh, 
navigating inner space, but it's, it's more about, and the point is if you, while trying to make boundaries with yourself is a kind of manipulation. It's a kind of, you're trying to actually manipulate yourself to either do what you want to do or not do what you don't want to do. And it's, <clears throat> it's very confusing to have one part of yourself trying to control another part of yourself. It's very confusing. <clears throat> also doesn't work. So you basically drive yourself crazy trying to manipulate yourself. So it's, it turns out to be a journey, I, I think. This is a longer conversation, but it turns out to be a journey of, of checking in of who, who wants to do what inside of you. <coughs> and Chloe, are you there? <coughs> I am. Can you uh, talk for a minute? I'm gonna go get a drink of water. Yeah, okay.